looking at Proverbs, and uh, as you've probably worked out, it's, uh, we're on the theme of trust today and trust in the Lord. So if you uh, look at the screen, you'll see it up there. Uh, and we're going to start looking at Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at verses four, 1 to 6, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 16 and look at verses 1 to 9. So if you've got a Bible, feel free to open them and have a look, but it will be on the screen as well. Let me read that for you. It says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Don't whistle. Go to chapter 16. <laughs> and uh, look at verses 1 to 9. To a man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seems innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord... A man avoids evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. All right, uh, let's pray as we think about what we've just read. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through it. We thank you for the book of Proverbs. Uh, Lord, there's so much in it. Uh, Just about every verse you could spend time just contemplating. Lord, we pray this morning as we think about what we've just read, as we look at how you relate to us, Lord, and how we are to relate to you. We pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes of our hearts, Lord, to see you and to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, trust in the Lord. Uh, It's a catch cry of Christianity. It's something that you hear us say often. It's one of the great ideas and the great ideals of Christianity is to trust in the Lord. It's easy to say, but it's not always easy to do, is it? For in life that we have, there's lots of things that come our way. There are different scenarios, there's different situations, and life throws up stuff that's tough sometimes, isn't it? Like the following scenarios I read about the other day. It said, life is tough when you wake up face down in the pavement. Or when you call suicide prevention and they put you on hold. You know life's tough when you see a 60 Minutes team waiting in your office. You know life's tough when your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. You know life's tough when you turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of the city. You know life's tough when your twin sister forgets your birthday. (laughs) You know life's tough when your car horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck and you're following the Hell's Angels down the highway. You know life's tough when your boss tells you not to bother to take off your coat. You know life's tough when the bird singing outside your window is a vulture. You know life's tough when you wake up and your braces are locked together. 
You know life's tough when you put both contact lenses in the same eye. Well, life is tough sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, that would hurt, John, eh? Even for you, mate. Uh, it would be tough, wouldn't it? It'd be tough when those circumstances come across our way. And life is tough, even the funny stuff, but also the serious stuff when we come across cancer, when there's a death of a loved one, when there's breakdown in relationships, when there's financial difficulties in our house. How do we trust God in those situations? But not only when it's tough, but also when it's good, isn't it? When things are going brilliantly, how do we trust God then? When all seems to be good, when we think that everything is going rosy and we think it's all because of ourselves. When we look around the world and it looks fantastic, everything's going great for you and you start out the breaking out to that song, which is, I did it my way. I won't sing it for you, but uh, when you like that too, isn't it? Uh, when life's tough, but when life's going really well, how do we trust in the Lord? Why should we trust in God? Well, I reckon that's a question we should ask, isn't it? Trust in the Lord, but why trust in him? Why should we trust in God? Well, I'm going to suggest to you there's a couple of reasons why we should trust in God. And the first reason we should trust in God is because he is trustworthy. Psalm 33, verse 4. Josh will plug, plug it up on the screen for us. It says this, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. You see, what God says goes. What he says happens. What he promises, it comes to be. And he's faithful to the end. He will never let us go. He'll never let us down. That's hard for us, isn't it? Because we live in a world where people let us down. Our actual experience in life is that people actually don't live up to our expectations all the time. Even our best friends sometimes aren't there. Even our closest friends let us down. Even our dogs let us down sometimes. They eat our slippers or they dig a hole next door and go and stay with the people next to you because they like them better than you, which our dog did. They let us down, don't they? People let us down. But God never lets us down. He is always there. And when we look through the Bible, we see example after example of where God never left his people. Moses, in his escape from Egypt, millions of people taken out of slavery by God, and he promised to do it. David, defeating Goliath, when against all odds, he comes up against a bloke that's bigger than him, but yet he wins because God is faithful. David, again, when he experiences the wrath of Saul and he's being chased around the countryside, God never leaves him. Joshua, when he looks like insurmountable odds, but he defeats his enemies, God is with him. Even Job in the Bible, where so much stuff happens to him, he loses his whole family, he loses his wealth, his whole body is covered in sores, but yet God never leaves him and God pulls him through. Right through until you come to the one person that God promises us to give to us, both back in the past and now to you and I, that person Jesus. Where all God's promises find their fulfilment are in him. Jesus is the one that hits our heartache. He is the one that provides our forgiveness. He is the one that restores our relationship with God. He is the only one who can do that. 
The greatest desire, the greatest need that you and I have, even if we don't realise it, is to have peace with God, is to be in relationship with him for eternity. And Jesus does that for us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, Josh will put that up for us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus, God wipes away everything that we have done wrong. In Jesus, God takes away all the stuff when we let down God and gets rid of it. In Jesus, even the worst we have done can be forgiven and wiped away. In Jesus, we're given a clean slate every time. Because Jesus is our great sin stain remover. And he never runs out. He never runs out. So we can trust God. Why should we trust God? We should trust God because he is trustworthy. He does what he says. But not only that, God is trustworthy, but God knows everything. God knows all. Uh, The technical word for that is that God is omniscient. He knows everything. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4. It says, The Lord works out everything for his own ends. Proverbs 16, 1. To a man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All, man, all man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. You see, we think we've got it all nutted out, but we don't. God knows it all. We, in one sense, are short-sighted. We only see this short distance here. But God's got the binoculars that sees everything. In one sense, we've got one piece of the puzzle. We've got this one little piece here that's our life and all the stuff that's around it, but yet God's got the whole puzzle in front of him, completed. And he knows where you fit within it. God sees a lot. But not only does God see the whole puzzle, not only does he know everything, but he knows how that puzzle fits together. God is a know-it-all. He knows how it all comes together. He knows how our paths should go. He knows how they should ride and what direction they should go. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Chapter 19, 21. Many are the plans of man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevails. You see, God knows where all the pieces go in that puzzle. He knows when they need to be put down. He knows when they need to be joined together. He knows how that puzzle pans out because he's got it worked out. Even when we think we've got it nutted out, God's got it better nutted out than us. God's got the right path worked out for us and he will make our paths straight. I read a story recently about a guy called Jeffrey Garouche. He was flying a small plane and it was in the middle of a huge storm. And he gives this report of what happened during that time. He said, I could barely see 20 feet in front of the plane. On the ground, signals were being transmitted to five radios and three navigational aids on board the aircraft. These instruments guided us through the storm to the runway. There were moments when the confusion of the clouds and the storms almost completely felt like we were going to be wiped out to the point where we thought it was going to be fatal. Times when all our senses seemed to indicate that the instruments were lying, making us panic, making us feel like this was the end. 
thinking that we're going to be in trouble. But I had been trained to trust the instrument, instruments, and I did. As we broke out of the clouds 100 feet off the runway and in a perfect altitude for landing, all ready to land on the ground, that all that remained was to ease back on the throttle and let us settle into the runway. As the emergency vehicles approached with their blaring sirens and flashing lights, I knew that they would not be necessary because I had trusted in the instruments. You see, our instrument in life, our guidance, is God himself. We are to trust him to take us to the runway. Even sometimes when stuff around us seems like we're going to panic and that the world just seems to be falling down around us, that is the time we need to trust God, our instrument. Because God has got our landing worked out for us. He knows how to guide us through it. So God is trustworthy. He is faithful. He knows all our plans are set out. He has the full puzzle in front of him. And not only that, while we're in the middle of the puzzle, while we're travelling that road of life, we are not alone because God promises to be there with us. Psalm 23, that great psalm, isn't it? I'm not going to read you the whole lot, but it's a wonderful psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. When we trust in him, when we take on God as our shepherd, he never leads us. And he takes our hand and he leads us through life and even through the darkest parts, he is still there. And in the New Testament, Matthew 28, the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples is, I will be with you to the very end of the age. I will not let you go. You see, God's not just a travelling companion. He's actually our pilot. He's the one there with us. In the New Testament, we find that actually Jesus sends his spirit to live within us. He's no longer just beside us. He's actually in us to take us and to lead us and take us through this life that we live. He's a God that gets involved with us. Not distant, not the watchmaker, who just sets it up, winds it up and lets it go. God is a relational God who's in us through his spirit and he'll never leave us. Never leave us. He's a great God, isn't he? That's why we should trust him. He's trustworthy. He's got it all planned. He knows everything and he'll never, ever leave us. I reckon that's a good reason to trust, isn't it? So what does this trust look like? That's the reason why we should trust. But what does it look like in practical terms? How does it come out in our lives? Well, I think that's where Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 helps us, doesn't it? Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not like Al with one hand and a finger on the nail. Confident holding on to the nail. But with Dave, feel free to have only a finger. <laughs> but with God, it's your whole heart, isn't it? It's complete trust. He will not miss the nail. You see, the Hebrew word for uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart is the idea of actually putting your weight onto something completely. Like actually giving your complete self over to it. It's like when you go to bed at night and you come into your bedroom and you look at your bed and you think... Oh, isn't that great to get in that bed? And then you go and you just jump on it and you lie on it and you think, oh, how good is this? You don't come up to that bed and go, oh, will it hold me? Put one foot on. And we don't do that, do we? We just flop into it. 
because we trust that bed is going to take our weight. That's what it's saying here, that we are to put our complete weight on God, to trust him, to give him fully all that we are. Not to hold one leg back, not to have one finger, but to take our whole self to him. He will, ca- he will catch us. We are to hand our life over to him. Give him our whole heart and not hold back. God wants all of you, not just part of you. In Revelation, when we get up there, you'll see, well, we're not going there at the moment, but in Revelation, it says that God despises, God hates someone who is lukewarm. He doesn't like the person who puts one foot out there. He wants all of you. He wants you completely. We're to be hot for God is what it's about. I don't know whether you've seen it, but there used to be a a sticker, a bumper sticker that used to go around that said, God is my co-pilot. Well, I actually think that's wrong, isn't it? God is our pilot, is what we're to do. We had a complete complete trust in him. He's not to sit beside us. He is to be taken over completely. We are to give him all of ourselves, not just part of it. Because beside us, we might veer off in our plane and take it the wrong direction, but with God driving us, then he'll make us land in the right direction. We need to give him our whole heart. And then we are to lean not on our own understanding, but on his. Now that doesn't mean that we put our brain into neutral and just say, okay, God, you do whatever you like from that perspective. No, we are to give God our brain and God has given you a brain to think through things. But our brain is so easily distracted and so easily diverted, isn't it? And taken down another path. path. We're to bring it back to him. I was told by someone that aircrafts actually, when they do fly, uh, they spend about 90% of the time off direction and they're kept bringing back by the automatic radar stuff, their automatic guidance systems actually bring them back all the time. And that's what God is to be for us. We want to veer off We've got to come back to him, back to his direction. And how do we do that? Well, we need to read his letter to us, the Bible, because God's word is his personal letter to you. It tells you what God is like and it tells you what God likes. And that's how we should live, doing what God likes. What pleases him, living our lives to please him. That's what it means to fear God. That's what it means to lean on our own understanding. That's what it means to have wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's putting our trust into action. It's being soaked in the things of God and knowing what he wants and then living to please him. Having the same priorities as him. Which is what? You say, well, read the word and have a look and see what it says. Because that's where you'll find it out. But if you want to summarise it and bring it down to something that I think is very easy, what does Jesus say when he wants to sum up the whole of the law? What does all God's teaching say? He says to love God with your whole heart and to love each other. Now I reckon that's a great principle to take, isn't it? If you're making a decision about anything in life, is it going to help me to love God? Is it going to help me to love each other? If it doesn't do it, then don't do it. That might sound too easy, won't it? But it's simple in one sense. When we need to make a decision about a job, which job we take? Uh, is it going to help me to love God more? Is it going to help me to love each other? Is it going to drag me away from that? Is it going to make it more difficult for me to do that? Then that's not the job that God wants you to do. 
It's simple, isn't it? If I'm going down a career path, before I think about how much money it's going to make me, before I think about the type of lifestyle it's going to give me, I need to ask, how will it help me love God and how will it help me love other people? How's it going to do that? When I'm thinking about your next boyfriend or your next girlfriend, will they help you to love God and will they help you to love others? If they don't, don't go there. If they are, well, it might be the right direction to go. The next drink I'm about to have when I'm outside, I'm at the pub, I'm having a few beers with the boys, the next drink I'm about to have, it could just tip me over and take me out of control and then I may do something that's not going to please God, I may hurt somebody. Is that going to help me to love God and love other people? Don't take the extra drink. Stop there. We're to put our full weight on God, to lean on God's understanding, seeking his ways to love God and to love each other. And then he says, in all your ways acknowledge him. That is, to see God in all your life. We're not to think, well, I'll put on my God glasses and my God clothes and I'll turn up for an hour on Sunday and then maybe I'll go to a growth group during the week, I can put on my God clothes again for another hour and a half and then maybe, you know, I might pray a couple of times a week, I'll have my God clothes on and my God glasses on at that point in time, then the rest of the week I'll forget about him. That's not acknowledging him. Acknowledging God is acknowledging him in every aspect of our lives, in every part of our lives because he wants to be involved in every part of your life doesn't matter how big or how small, God wants to be part of it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Because he's there and he wants to be part of it. God wants you to see that he is there. When you're down the street, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're talking to that person who gets under your skin, when you're about to speak gossip about somebody, when you're about to tell someone about your faith, and you're scared when you're feeling like you can't resist that temptation, God is there. And when we acknowledge him, we won't do the wrong thing. We'll know what he wants us to do. When we acknowledge him, he promises he will make your paths straight. He will give you the strength to say no. He'll give you the courage to speak about Jesus. He will help you make the decision about your career. He will help you to be content with being single. He will give you the perseverance to wait for a godly husband or wife. He's planned for you. He will hold your hand and pull you through that dark hour of doubt and distress. He will celebrate with you when you decide to give generously to someone who's telling someone else about Jesus. He will be there with you when you feel no one else is. He will rejoice with you as you become the person who trusts in the Lord with your whole heart and doesn't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways you start to acknowledge him and he will have great joy in making your path straight. How good it is to trust in the Lord because he's trustworthy, because he knows all, because he's got the plan set out for you because he'll never leave you, because he wants to have all of you. He wants you to know him and understand him. He wants you to acknowledge him in everything that you do. And he promises that he will make your path straight. What a great God we have. One worthy to be trusted. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we, we struggle, Lord. We do struggle to trust you in all our lives, Lord. We struggle to trust you in some of even the smallest things that we do. Lord, so often we want to go off and do what we think's right. So often we think we've got it worked out. But Lord, we only see the small picture, but you've got the whole lot in front of you. Lord, you are a God who loves us and wants to make our paths straight. You're a God who wants to be involved in our lives. You're a God who loves us beyond measure, Lord. Lord, help us to put away our doubt. Help us to set our focus on you. Help us to trust you, Lord, with our whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen.